I think so. Good evening, everyone. Good evening, the people that are on a minute early. Glad that you're with us, either live or jumping on later on. Hey, there, got sound tonight, too. So, yeah. <laughs> I'll let you know Martha's back home. So if you hear someone sitting close by making fun of me, you'll know that things are back to normal here. On our Wednesday night class. Look at that. Angie Manley here at 7 o'clock sharp. Awesome. Yeah. Those of you who are here all the, all the time on time, I asked you to be thinking about a really sad movie, thinking about the movie that makes you cry. So I would like to know what uh, the movies are that make people cry. I asked my daughter that, and she said, uh, "Is it a dinosaur story? What a dinosaur or something?" The Pixar it? one. Yeah. Yeah. Something about a dinosaur. Movie. She said she cries all the time in, her, in the dinosaur movie. Um, is it Angie's anniversary? Well, Mike and Angie's anniversary? Yeah, happy anniversary, guys. Yeah. What a better way to spend your anniversary, right? <laughs> Sitting in a virtual class with me. Yeah. And 34 of my closest friends. So there you go. Hey, seven o'clock, we're gonna get started. Um, and we're starting with the icebreaker of what is the movie that makes you cry? I, uh, I went on the internet and I thought, well, I'll just find the list of the 10 saddest movies ever made. There's no consensus on this. Uh, there's a lot of lists of sad movies, but almost none overlapped any movies that I saw. The ones that I saw had movies listed I've never seen in my life. The ones that they did list that I had seen, I didn't think were very sad. And then the ones that I thought were really sad, very seldom were on the list. So what are some of the movies that make you cry? Anyone have a, uh, um, <laughs> Angie's uh, giving me reasons why she's here on time because she's Bert's daughter. Okay. Band of Brothers. Band of Brothers. It's not a movie, but I'll give it to you. That's okay. That's a, it's a video. Um, Steel Magnolias. That was on a couple lists that I saw. Never seen it. Old Yeller. Old Yeller. That's on my list. Who put Old Yeller? That was, Somebody uh, old. That was another Thomas. Jeannie Thomas. Jeannie Thomas. Yeah, that is sad. When he's in a corn crib, the dog's in the corn crib, and he's got rabies. Oh, man. I was like six, wasn't it? Mark put Up. Up. Up is on my list. Missed. Usually, it's the end of the movie where you cry. Up, like the first four minutes, you're like... Miss Ingram put Gone with the Wind. Gone with the Wind. And Frank and Miss Ingram, we don't care. Uh, yeah, I, Bart, it, Saving Private Ryan. Saving Private Ryan, yeah, that's pretty heavy. That's it. Terms of Endearment. I guess all that make you cry are heavy. Martha says Terms of Endearment, yeah. That was a sad one. Schindler's List. Schindler's List. I've never, believe it or not, I've never seen Schindler's List. Toy Story 3. Toy Story 3. Who said Toy Story 3? Me. Will says Toy Story 3. Meredith put Camelot and Dumbo, which you have to put Bambi in with Dumbo. Bambi, yeah. Camelot. I don't know that I've ever seen Camelot. Brian Dumbo. Song. Brian Song. That was a made-for-TV movie. Put Ever After. Uh, he just died, by the way. Gail Sayers just died. Um, 
Yeah. My dog Skip. My dog Skip. Who said my dog Skip? That was awesome. Martha. Martha. That's on my list. Actually. Imitation of Life. Painting Hall. Okay. I don't know that I know that movie, Imitation of Life. The Notebook. The Notebook. Alex Bruce. Nicholas Sparks. Isn't that kind of his thing? Make you cry. Natasha says Steel Magnolias. Steel Magnolias. Lucy Speed says Called the Wild. Call, I'm with you, Lucy. Jackie that Hudson. is a sad movie. Never hear some Jackie Hudson, Homeward Bound. Yes. <laughs> yes. I didn't even think of that. At the end, at the end, with with his, he's too old. He's too old. And then the music starts playing, and Shadow comes walking over the hill. Oh man, that Carol, is sad. Carol and Portia. Uh, the Art of Dancing in the Rain, which yes. I read the book. Yeah, Martha and I cried in the book of that movie. We cried all the way. Listen, every movie that makes me cry involves a dog that dies. If it's got a dog in it and the dog dies. Or almost dies. Or almost dies. My yeah. Mike Manley put Life is Beautiful. That's another one. Life is Beautiful. Mike Manley. Okay, so my point is there are lots of movies that make us cry. Um um, I asked Martha when I was trying to think of an icebreaker, I said, what movies make you cry? She goes, I cried about any sad movie. And then she said, and I cry at just about every happy movie too. So um, I guess I guess it's a subjective thing. Um, I, to be honest, I used to never cry at movies. I used to just not be a very emotional guy. And I don't know if it's when I had kids or I don't know if it was just getting older, but man, um, yeah, it doesn't take me. I'm not a boo-hooer when I cry, but I'm I'm like a, uh, you know, don't look over here right now because, um, you know, but yeah. Jackie Cash put Places in the Heart. That's just a different one. Than, okay, Places, Places in the Heart. In the heart. Um, yeah, very good. Um, the reason I ask you about sad movies is, you know, and we're spending our Wednesday nights going through uh, just the teachings of Jesus, some stories about Jesus, parables, just really uh, anything we can learn from interacting with Jesus. And tonight we're going to look at one of the times that Jesus actually cries in Scripture. And if I were to ask you, how many times in Scripture does Jesus cry? Most people will answer that twice. Uh, we know that he cries in John chapter 11 at uh, the, the uh, graveside of Lazarus. And we know that because we've all memorized verse 35, Jesus wept. Uh, we know that he cries in Luke 19 over Jerusalem uh, as he considers the sinfulness of Jerusalem. Um, you might not know Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7, though. Hebrews tells us there's a lot of other times that Jesus cried as well. Uh, Hebrews 5, 7 says, During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. So the Hebrew writer tells us that Jesus pretty often would pray to God with loud cries and tears. So Jesus was a very passionate man, very emotional guy. Uh, but tonight we're going to look specifically at the narrative of John chapter 11. It's a story that we know really well. It is a um, powerful miracle that Jesus performs. I don't know if you've ever thought about it before, but why did Jesus perform miracles? What, what were the purpose of miracles? And scripture you know, gives us some, some reasons for that. Um, to confirm his authority, for sure. 
And I think tonight will will show that. Um, sometimes he performed miracles just for the sake of helping people. You know, we talked a little bit a couple of weeks ago about the woman with the issue of blood. I, you know, she was healed because she, she needed healed. Um, to make a point, the withered fig tree, you know, Jesus is, is doing some teaching. Um, I think there's sometimes he just felt compelled to do it. I'm thinking about changing water to wine. You know, uh, that wasn't his idea necessarily, but, you know, woman, why are you bothering me? Um, and then, obviously, to instill belief. Uh, and again, we're going to see that tonight. You know, John ends his gospel by saying, you know, if, if uh, or to write down everything that Jesus said and did, the books in the world wouldn't be able to contain it. And I wonder sometimes, what are some of those other things that Jesus said and did that, that we don't know about? But, uh, but we do know John chapter 11, the, the raising of Lazarus. And I want to just kind of read through it. We're going to stop and make some points. I'm really headed to one place, though, and I'm headed to one thought in John chapter 11 that I want to share with you tonight. So we're going to, we're going to read through it and, and stop and go a little bit. John chapter 11, and that's where we're going to stay, by the way. You can open up your Bible to John chapter 11 and stay right there. Verse 1. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus was now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. Just so you know, that happened a couple times in Scripture. There were a couple different women who poured perfume on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. Uh, Mary, the mother of Lazarus, the mother, the, the sister of Lazarus, was not the woman uh, who was in the home, the sinful woman described in the home of um, Simon the Pharisee. But, but obviously they had a a close relationship. Verse 3, so the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Sister, send word to Jesus. How did they get word to Jesus? Well, somebody took the word to Jesus, right? And the message was, the one you love is sick. And it kind of made me think as I was preparing for this, isn't it great to have someone who will go to the Lord on your behalf? If you have someone in your life, or you have some people in your life who will actually go to the Lord on your behalf, it is a blessing. You need to thank God for those people. And you ought to think, too, about who do I go to the Lord on, on, on whose behalf. So, yeah. Uh, verse 4. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now, we're reading this in the Gospel of John. John was with Jesus at the time. It's years later when John writes this in his gospel. And John gives us a little bit of context coming up here because John knows that this whole story is about to take a really crazy twist. Verse 5, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So John wants us to be sure and know that Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. And that also got me to thinking, is this the most personal miracle that Jesus performs? And, and I'm not sure I know the answer to that, but what I'm asking is, you know, there, there are people that Jesus healed, there are Jesus, people that Jesus uh, fed, but he didn't really know them personally. Um, you know, people that, in a crowd, people along the way. Is there any more personal miracle than Jesus raising Lazarus? And I don't know that I can think of one. Maybe Peter's mother-in-law? I don't know. Um, 
maybe storm, uh, calming the storm with you know disciples in the boat. But but this is a very personal miracle for Jesus. Verse six. Yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Now, I am assuming that when someone came to Jesus and said, the one you love is sick, I'm assuming the disciples also heard that Lazarus, because they knew Lazarus, that Lazarus was sick. And they're and no doubt wondering, what's Jesus going to do about this? But a day goes by and nothing happens. They don't do anything. Another day goes by. Nothing happens. They don't go anywhere. They don't do anything. And it appears that not a whole lot of conversations been going on about Lazarus and what's going on in Bethany. Um, then verse seven, then he, Jesus, said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews tried to stone you. And yet you're going back there. The disciples come to Jesus and say, Jesus, you might not remember this, but we remember it vividly. <laughs> Last time you were there, they tried to stone you. And they're right, by the way. Uh, uh, back up just a couple verses into chapter 10, and you see a crowd of people trying to stone Jesus. I think it says something like he escaped their grasp. I mean, it was a dangerous situation. And the disciples were saying, you know what? I don't know that going back to Judea is such a good idea. They might try to stone you again. And of course, they don't want to go because it's dangerous. And they've got to be thinking there's a real good chance that some of these stones might miss you and hit us. So I'm not sure that going back to Judea is such a great idea. Verse 9, Jesus answered, Are there not 12 hours of daylight? A man who walks by day will not stumble, for he sees by this world's light. It's when he walks by night that he stumbles, for he has no light. What? <laughs> what? Andrew, did you, did you know what Jesus is talking about here? What did he just say? Because I thought we were talking about Lazarus. And I thought we were talking about trying not to get stoned. And he's talking about day and night and light and walking. And what does this have to do with anything we've been talking about? They don't ask Jesus that. But I can't believe they weren't thinking that. And, and I think what Jesus is saying is this timetable is going to be determined by me. No one else is going to dictate what happens in this story. You know, I'm, I'm dictating the timetable here. Um, but you get the feeling that the disciples really don't understand what Jesus has in mind. And you get that feeling from the very next verse, verse 11. After he'd said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. Again, they don't want to go. And so they start giving Jesus medical advice, you know, kind of taking Jesus literally. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. And then Jesus says something that would have been very difficult for them to, to process. And he says something that, that almost sounds insensitive to us. He's talking about Lazarus, whom he loves. And he's talking to the disciples whom he loves. And he says in verse 14, so he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, for the disciples' sake, for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. 
For your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there. What about for Lazarus' sake? What about for Martha's sake? What about for Mary's sake? Uh, Jesus, you knew Lazarus was going to die. Yep. You knew when you got this message that uh, if it hadn't already happened, he was slipping away. Yep. You knew that you could prevent this. Yeah. And yet you chose to allow Lazarus to die and stay here. That's right. Uh, and you're saying that you're glad you weren't there because the one that you loved actually died. Yeah, I'm glad I was not there. And I've got to be thinking that those disciples were thinking, what could have been so important to keep you away from Lazarus? This wasn't the nobleman's son. This wasn't uh, a widow's son. This is somebody you know, somebody you have a history with somebody you love, what could be so important to keep you away from Bethany? What would be so important that you would stay away while someone you love dies? And Jesus's answer is, so that you may believe. I stayed away because I want you to believe. Now remember, this is pretty late in the game. Okay, these guys haven't just spent a couple months with Jesus. They've spent a couple years with Jesus at this point. Uh, we're not that far away from the cross. They have seen Jesus' teaching. They have seen his miracles. They've seen all the things that Jesus has done. And yet Jesus still feels this really pressing need to do something to cause these men to believe. Verse 16, then Thomas called Demas, the twin, said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Is that a question or a statement of faith? Is that a question of tremendous faith? Or is that a statement of resigned fatalism? Is Thomas saying, we're all going to die. It's going to be a massacre. We might as well go die with him. Or is Thomas saying, I'll go anywhere with you. Whatever the risk might be, count me in. I don't know the answer to that question. I think probably a little bit of both. Um, but Thomas does go with him. So do the rest. Verse 17, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, do not miss the drama here. Don't miss what's going on. Four days earlier, Lazarus is sick, and he's very sick. No drugs, no antibiotics, no morphine. You got his two sisters who love him dearly. They're caring for him. And you know, Mary and Martha are telling Lazarus, hang in there. We've sent for Jesus. He's not that far away. He's going to come. Jesus is going to be here. You just wait, Lazarus. Hang in there. And they wait. And they wait. And Jesus doesn't show up. And Lazarus gets worse and worse. And they're waiting. And Jesus doesn't show up. And Lazarus dies. And Jesus never shows up. And they're still waiting for Jesus. They're grieving their, their lost brother. 
So they take them and they, they wrap them in burial clothes. They put them in a tomb. They roll a stone in front of the tomb. And Jesus isn't there. They're still waiting for Jesus, but he never had showed up. Should have been here a long time ago. Verse 18. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed home. Why did Mary stay home? Why didn't Mary go out to meet Jesus? Again, I'm asking questions that I don't know the answer to exactly, but, but why didn't Mary go out to meet Jesus? Now, maybe she didn't know Jesus was there. That's possible, but not probable. Doesn't sound like it. They've been waiting for Jesus. Why didn't Mary go see Jesus? Maybe, maybe she just didn't really know how to process her grief. Maybe she didn't know what to do with all of her emotions. Um, maybe she's just so hurt and so disappointed, so frustrated. Maybe even a little bit angry with Jesus. I don't know. You know, you could have. You should have. I would have. But you didn't. I don't know why Mary didn't go out to see Jesus initially, but Martha does. Verse 21. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Martha says, Lord, you could have prevented this. I know that. You could have stopped this. You could have saved my brother. Verse 22. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. And then listen to how Jesus responds to Martha. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And he doesn't say anything else. Not yet. Martha is going to respond to that statement. Martha, your, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day which sort of sounds like the thing is people say at funerals. He's in a better place. We're going to see him again someday. I know that he will rise again at the last day. You read this, and if you really put yourself in the picture there, don't you know how badly Martha is hurting? Don't you know how emotional she is? You, you can just feel it through the pages almost. I mean, this is a woman who is broken. This is a woman who is devastated. Um, and again, I don't know if she's maybe frustrated, mad, hurt, confused, probably a little bit of all of the above. Um, but she is emotional. Which makes what Jesus says to her next even more powerful. Verse 25. Jesus said to her. Again, this is a woman who is just, just going through a terrible time. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. And then Jesus asks Martha the question that I think he's still asking all of us. I said we were trying to get to somewhere here tonight. This is kind of where I'm trying to get to. The question that Jesus asks next. It is a really important question. 
He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. And then the question is, do you believe this? Martha, broken, crying, confused, upset. I'm the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will, will never die. Do you believe this? You know, it's an easy question to answer when you're 15. Got your whole life ahead of you and everything's going great. It's a much tougher question to answer when you're 30 or 40 or 50 and you're going through a really difficult season in your life. Now, it's a really difficult question for Martha to answer when she's just buried somebody who was so close to her. But Jesus looks Martha right in the eye. He says, Martha, do you believe me? Martha, with all that's happened, do you still trust me? Even though I didn't respond like you thought I should respond. Even though I didn't act like you wanted me to act. Even though I didn't show up when you needed me to show up. Even though you would have scripted this thing much differently than I'm scripting it. Even though you don't understand why I've done what I've done. Do you believe me? Do you still trust me? Do you still love me? Notice Martha's response. It's as, it's as good as it gets. Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ. The Son of God who has come into the world. With everything that's happened, Martha, with all your disappointment, all your confusion, all your hurt, do you trust me? Do you believe me? I believe that you're the Christ, the Son of God, has come into the world. How many times have you heard these two sisters, Martha and Mary, described as, well, Mary is the feeler, Martha's the worker. Mary is the spiritual one, Martha's the complainer. Listen, nothing could be further from the truth. The answer that Martha gives Jesus here, you won't find a more spiritual, a more profound, a more theologically perfect answer anywhere in scripture than how Martha responds to Jesus. And she responds that way in the middle of her pain and in the middle of confusion and in the middle of a whole lot of questions. Yes, Lord, I believe that you're the Christ, the son of God who's come into the world. And then she goes and gets her sister, Mary. And Mary comes and has basically the same statement, same conversation with Jesus. Verse, skip down to verse 32. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. Almost verbatim what Martha said to Jesus. Same statement to Jesus, but Jesus reacts to Mary very differently than he reacted to Martha. Verse 33. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And then John shares with us something that's really remarkable. He shares with us something that, that even though you might be going through 
a really difficult season of your life. Even though you might be going through something that, you know, God, you could have, God, you should have, I would have, but you didn't. John shares with us something that, that shows us just how connected Jesus is to our hearts. How much he wants Mary and Martha to know, I feel your pain. Now remember, Jesus knows what he's going to do. He knows how this thing's going to end. He knows he's going to bring Lazarus back to life. But verse 35, Jesus wept. Jesus is telling Mary, I know how you feel. I know the pain that you feel. Even though you thought I was late, even though you felt like I was really distant, even though I didn't respond like you wanted me to respond, even though I wasn't here when you thought you needed me most to be here, I know how you feel. I know what you're experiencing. Verse 36, then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Some of them said, why didn't he do something about that? If he's the son of God, if he's all about love, why wouldn't he do something about that? Ever hear that question? Why doesn't God do something about this? Verse 38. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came, came to the tomb. There was a cave with stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's bad odor, for he's been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would, and here's this phrase again, you would see the glory of God. Hey, Jesus, we needed you here four days ago. It's too late now. Um, we sent for you four days ago, but you made us wait. You didn't exactly tell us no, but you certainly weren't here when we needed you. Jesus said, listen, you're about to see the glory of God. Even though I didn't come when you thought I should come, even though I haven't acted like you thought I should act, if you believe, pay attention, you're going to see the glory of God. Did I not tell you? I love that Jesus says that. Did I not tell you? If you keep your eyes open, if you pay attention, if you just keep on putting one foot in front of the other, if you continue to believe, if you continue to live your life like I am who I said I was, if you continue to trust me, you're going to get a glimpse of the glory of God. Even in a time like this, even when you think things can't get worse. Verse 41, so they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. Jesus, <laughs> are you telling us that all this pain, all this grief, all this hurt, all this heartache, all this drama was worth it so that someone would believe that you're the son of God? And Jesus would say, yep, that's what I'm telling you.
verse 43, when he'd said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. You know why Jesus said, take off the grave clothes and let him go? Because no one's making a move towards Lazarus. Here's a dead guy walking out of a tomb wrapped in grave clothes. They're picking their jaws up off the ground. No one's helping them. Jesus is like, hey, go help them. Let them go. They're trying to process what Jesus has just done here. Verse 45, therefore, and this is quite an understatement by John, I'm sure. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and seen what Jesus did, put their faith in him. The result is exactly what Jesus intended the result to be. And again, think about this miracle. He didn't just heal someone. He didn't just help someone. He didn't just give someone comfort. He raised a guy from the dead. And it wasn't a guy who they've been sitting around going, I'm not sure he's alive. Not, you know, he might already be dead. This is a guy that's been dead for four days. He's been in the tomb. And there was some significance, by the way, to that four days. I'm not going to get into it right now. But he's been in the tomb for four days. He's been wrapped in burial clothes for four days. These Jews that came to visit, that came to help uh, grieve and mourn with Mary and Martha, they walk away from that realizing there's absolutely nothing that this guy can't do. He just brought Lazarus back from the grave. So let me end with um, the question that, that you're hearing a lot these days and kind of going back a little bit. Why isn't God doing something about all this? Why doesn't God step in and just do something? Come on, you, you believe in God, right? You, all, you guys all believe in God, right? Well, why didn't he do something? Why didn't he stop it? Why didn't he fix it? Why doesn't he correct it? Why doesn't he, you know, do what has to be done? And for one more time tonight, I'll say, I don't know. I don't know why God doesn't step in and, and do that, fix that. I don't know. But here's what I do know. And I know it because of a story I read about in a little town called Bethany, where two sisters buried their brother one day and four days later he walked out of the tomb. Say, why doesn't God do something about that? Here's what I'm sure of. Here's what I do know. He can. He might choose not to, but when I read John 11, I know that he can. And I know he has that power. And I know he has that ability. And he has the connection with us to want to be able to bless us. But I'm not smart enough to understand what Jesus understands. And I'm not wise enough to know what Jesus knows. Now, why doesn't God do something? I don't know, but he can. He could. I know that sometimes he waits. Sometimes he doesn't show up when I wish he would show up. Sometimes he doesn't respond like I really want him to respond. And sometimes I get confused about that. And sometimes I get a little bit frustrated by that, maybe a little bit angry by that. But I know 
the power of God. And I know the promise that he gave to Mary and Martha is the same promise that he gives to us. If you believe, if you believe that I am who I said I was, if you believe that I can do what I've told you I can do, if you believe I love you like I claim to love you, watch. And you'll see the glory of God revealed. And I don't always know how that happens. But I believe Jesus when he says, pay attention, even on your darkest days, even when everything's going wrong, even when you're hurting, even when you're confused, even when you're a little bit angry, pay attention. If you trust me, if you believe in me, I'm going to show you a glimpse of the glory of God. And I am so convinced that if I pay attention, if that's what I'm looking for, even though God might not act like I want him to act, and like I begged for him to act, I can still see his hand at work and I can still see his love and I can feel the spirit living in me and moving through me. Um, and it's a great promise to take in, in the middle of some very dark days. Um, it's a promise to hang on to when I think, why doesn't God do something about that? Whatever that might be. If you believe, you'll see the glory of God. Just about out of time. Thanks for staying with me tonight. Um, a lot of really good stuff in all those stories that we know so well. And it's, there's such a temptation to treat them as stories. But when you go back and read and think about the people that were living in the middle of them and how Jesus responded, uh, powerful, powerful stuff. Um, I want to end in a prayer in just a minute. And I want to mention a couple of people that we really need to be praying for and about. Uh, we need to be praying for Gary Lambrick. Um, He's had a, a, another really rough week. Um, the latest word I got was that he is uh, out of ICU where they were kind of monitoring him, still at TGH, uh, keeping a close eye on him. But, um, but Gary certainly needs our prayers, uh, as does George Klein, who is uh, kind of in the process of tests and more tests and diagnoses and those kind of things. And we're praying for George that uh, the right courses found and the right things are done. Um, need to be praying for Jan Sweeney, who lost her son last week, as well as Wanda Daniels and Sandra Bush, who lost their niece uh, last week. And uh, and just the COVID situation. Uh, I was looking through vital concern, and we have more and more people who have relatives or family members or members at Bay Area um, who uh, are turning up positive to COVID and, and need our prayers. Uh, ben and Mary, I hear that you are recovering slash recovered, so that's an answer to prayer. And um, it's really good to see Glenn Howe at church. And Martha says it was which she wasn't there two weeks ago, but how great it was to yes. see Glenn Howe there. Glenn, glad to see you uh, uh, up and around. And Faye Brown is having some surgery or procedure. Um, Monday. Okay, on Monday. Yeah, I need to be praying for Faye as well. Um, let's go to God in prayer. And and I apologize if there's some that I have missed, but um, I know that you'll be praying on their behalf. Let's pray. Father, we're so thankful that you've included stories like this and as dramatic and, and as exciting and as amazing as they are. Um, may we 
be focused on those subtle truths that uh, that you want us to understand. And that is that uh, you know what you're doing and uh, you've allowed us to pray to you. And that's what we're doing now. And we are going to trust you and we are going to believe in you because all the things that we want to happen, uh, we know you can make those things happen. And uh, of course, we're praying in your will. Father, we're prayerful for Gary, that you would bless him, that you would strengthen him, that uh, the, the issue that he has right now would uh, would be corrected. And if that's, if that's by um, his body correcting it, if that's by the doctors, if that's by your hand, we pray that, uh, that you would strengthen and heal him. Uh, we pray that for George as well, that you would be with people who are trying to decide the best course of action. And again, um, we know you can do what needs to be done and that's that's our prayer that you would heal him and that you would uh, restore him to his health we're praying for people that we love who have lost people that they love we're praying for jan and for wanda and for sandra and pray that you would give them a, a peace and a comfort uh, pray for all the people who are suffering and uh, anxious about the covid uh, virus Again, we're praying for a cure. We're praying for a cessation. Uh, we're praying that, um, that you will do what needs to be done. Thank you for proving over and over again your power and your love. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Um, real quick, a, uh, well, first I should ask for any updates or corrections or comments. Um, uh, thanks for sharing your comments. I don't, I don't, always read them. In fact, I never read them as I go, but I always go back and read them. And um, I'm always encouraged. And I know other people are. And I always think, well, I wish I would have thought of that. So thanks for sharing your comments. I want to remind you, really the only announcement that I kind of think need to be reminding of is one, well, really the only one is one, um, be signing up for worship. If you plan to be there live and in person this Sunday, we're asking you to do that by noon tomorrow, which means you really need to do it tonight. Uh, just go on if the... And by. if there is anyone that you are, you'd like, you know what, well, we go out to eat with these people, you know, on the weekends. We're really, you know, we're, we're really close. We, 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 don't, we don't mind sitting together. Put that in the notes. And the reason I say that is we can get more people, we can get more people in. And just put six feet between a one and a two... You know, there's three people sitting on 12 feet of pew and but if me and Martha and you know a couple of our good friends uh yeah we went out to eat last night we'll, we'll, we'll sit together um then you know put I'm gonna be sitting with so and so and it helps uh Tom and George and the others who are kind of doing all that figuring out uh how we can get more people in we're getting pretty close to you know, getting the maximum of the auditorium. We don't want to turn anybody away. Uh, we've got some contingency plans in place, but it'll really help if you go ahead and sign up uh, by tomorrow noon so they can work on that on Friday. And like and I said, if, for some reason you find out. if you find out that, oh, I signed up, but I can't go, uh, you can go back and edit that same link, that same sign up sheet. Um, so, yeah, is that what you were going to say? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, fall, festival is fall festival is October 24th. Because of the virus, we're not going to be able to do it the way that uh, Angie has always done it with the community and all that stuff. It's just, 
it's just not safe. Uh, but we do want to do something that we could control a little better with our family and a way that'll be safe and distance and fun for the families and the kids and the whole congregation. Um, and it's on October the 24th, 5.30 to 9.30. So it's a pretty big window there. But uh, she and Robbie are planning a whole lot of fun stuff that can be done and a lot of good uh, uh, fun and share with each other and just a chance to be together. No, it was... Um, they might teach them about an online Bible class. Yeah, I don't know that that's... All the kinks have been worked out of that yet. Uh, I'm not sure that that's ready that's for officially uh, announcing. But, uh, but, um, but yeah, um, it'd be great to be together. And I'll say this, and this is just me personally. This isn't coming from anybody else. And um, maybe I should wait till more people jump off of here, but... At some time, we're going to have to get back together, okay? <laughs> I mean, I'm going to Publix. I'm going to Walmart. I'm wearing a mask. I'm going, I'm, I'm going out to eat more and more than, than I was, you know, three months ago. I'm wearing a mask. I'm, I'm trying to stay safe. Um, there is a real blessing to be together, uh, worshiping God together. Again, I'm not pressuring anybody. If you don't want anybody to feel manipulated or pressured, if you're more comfortable staying home, stay home. The live stream will continue. Just my personal opinion is sooner or later, we're going to have to get back together. Um, and I've just been encouraged by seeing, seeing, seeing my church family back together, spread out. And as weird as it is, it is still there. There's a reason uh, that God told us to meet together. And I know we're doing it virtually. And I know, you know we're doing what has to be done right now. But uh but yeah, it's encouraging to be together. It's encouraging to be together. Thank you, Martha. And with that, I am going to sign off and I'll end with... Uh, love you guys. Go Rays. <laughs> oh yeah, love you guys. That's what I meant to say. I love, love you guys. And yeah, okay. See you Sunday.